Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie developments, and of course, you know, new releases. Got to talk about new releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman, and this week, you know, there's not really like a ton of new releases this week, but we are going to be tackling the awards conversation. Um, last week, if you haven't listened to the episode, first of all, if you haven't listened to the episode of last week, like what, what are you doing? Please just go listen to it. Um, last week had a really terrific conversation with Hunter Heilman, a writer at Elements of Madness. And we kind of talked about the state of where we are in the movie world where coronavirus is as with just like everything in our lives, just having a real impact on what movies are getting released, how we're watching them. And one of the biggest things that's impacted is the awards race. And I really wanted to talk with Josh Martin, who's a fellow writer at Film Inquiry, about kind of what is the Oscar season going to look like? Now, this is a little bit of a premature conversation because uh, obviously the Oscars are actually not going to be happening until April of next year. The Academy has sort of extended the, um, the ending date for what movies can qualify. And it's actually going to be sometime in February now. However, we're in the midst of the fall, and fall is usually awards season. That There's festivals, different studios, whether or not they're streamers like Netflix or big studios like Warner Brothers are pushing movies in front of critics and audiences that they want to really get awards traction. And this year is kind of a very odd, very peculiar um, award season because... Obviously, a bunch of big festivals are going on now. The Toronto International Film Festival did a smaller digital version this year. And right now, the New York Film Festival is going on. Definitely going to be talking about, in future episodes, some of the exciting movies coming out of there. But I really wanted to talk with Josh about, like, what is the awards season just going to look like? You know, a lot of movies have been pulled off the calendar. This is maybe an opportunity for smaller independent movies to get a little bit more traction and maybe be up for awards that they would normally be kind of like pushed out of by bigger, noisier fare, as well as kind of looking ahead on the calendar. And we kind of pinpointed some movies that I think if you're a cinephile out there, if you're in sort of an, <laughs> an Oscar obsessed person like I am to kind of put your finger on, because I guarantee you they're either going they maintain their release date they're probably going to be part of the conversation but first before we get to that um some notable news wanted to quickly touch on the emmys because uh that wrapped up last weekend just you love to see it you love to see it clearly the three big shows that kind of just like steamrolled through everything should first mention shit's creek to all the shit's creek fans out there you 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 got what you've been dreaming for Shit's Creek pretty much I I don't know that I've ever seen this before I just like one show completely sweep through almost no not almost every single award in its category Shit's Creek took home basically every single com- major comedy award all uh, unprecedented call me out if it's if it's not unprecedented I'd love to see another example but I certainly have not seen this in my lifetime uh HBO's Watchmen one of my favorite shows from last year unsurprisingly i think to anyone who saw it has just like steamrolled through the miniseries categories um that show for just anyone who hasn't seen it i I think if there's any piece of pop culture that's probably 
most attuned into kind of the climate in this country right now. It's probably that show. If you haven't seen it, it it is it is kind of a a, a masterpiece, I think, and is is really just um incredible. What not just Damon Lindelof, but the incredible team of writers and actors and directors and musicians who all just worked on that show i i think it is it is just one of the more incredible things i've ever seen put the television and in the drama category it was a big night for succession my personal favorite show on television um winning big in several of the drama categories uh you know i think an interesting emmy night in that these all three felt like shows that are really big in the conversation and maybe it's because you know we're staying at home due to the pandemic and a lot of us are catching up on tv and binging tv shows and it was interesting to watch an emmy show where i think my problem in the last few years with the emmys is there's so much tv and the shows we're watching are just changing so rapidly throughout the year you know it's easy for the Emmys to come around and feel weirdly outdated or a little irrelevant with like whatever the shows are that people are talking about right now. But this I think was the first time in a while that it really just felt like those kind of three shows should also shout out, uh, you know, Zendaya for winning the best actress in a drama series for euphoria. Um, another show I really, really like HBO is kind of just killing it at the moment. But, you know, I think if you look at Shit's Creek Watchmen, and succession all three really feel like tv shows that are part of the zeitgeist and a lot of people were watching and a lot of people were talking about i think that's kind of the the biggest thing is that these are the kind of like water cooler shows that people around the office would be talking about or on your social media or when you get together with friends and family these are the shows that felt like everyone was talking about and it was kind of surprising to see a show that you know, has felt sort of weirdly always a little bit in catching up with whatever the TV zeitgeist is at the moment, just because it's constantly changing. It felt really exciting to see them kind of like so perfectly, I think, put their thumb on the the kind of programs that, um, you know, certainly most people I know have been kind of devouring and watching even during, you know, this quarantine moment. All right, I want to welcome to the podcast, to our second episode, uh, fellow Film Inquiry writer, Josh Martin. Josh, what? welcome to the pod. Hey, hey, Jesse, how's it going? Glad to be Good. here. Yes. Um, so, where to begin? Let, let, let's just first, like, I kind of want to get your thoughts on, you know, we're going to ha- kind of have a conversation about the award season, which is like one of my favorite things to talk about because I'm a bit of an Oscar junkie and have been since I was a kid. And I think this is going to be a really weird Oscar year. <laughs> Would you not agree? Oh, a- absolutely. It is going to be the strangest in my lifetime. And I think it's going to be one that has um, not long-term ram- ramifications per se, like in terms of how the Oscars operate, but at least for the next few years, it's the, this whole altered schedule is going to change a lot of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we should mention that like, Obviously, a few months ago, the Oscars kind of changed the the qualifying time frame to instead of like December at the end of the year being, you know, the cutoff. It's actually, I believe it's February 
and the Oscars are actually going to be hosted in April. So like the latest that, I don't know, I'm pretty sure the latest they've ever been. I mean, I, I can't remember them going beyond March. Like, yeah, the, March is usually the latest. The latest in our lifetime, for sure. I think they used to do them further out in the year, but um, this is certainly a big change. I mean, I remember when they did it in... They did it in, on like the first day of March. I think a couple years ago, it was like March first, yeah. and that was like felt like it was late. Um, you know, all all sort of all concepts of time and space have been sort of thrown in, thrown for a loop thanks to coronavirus. But uh, it'll still be rather jarring, I think, to be talking about um, movies from possibly as far back as February 2020, right before sort of uh, global lockdowns hit. Uh, I, almost a year and a couple months later, so it's it's certainly going to be a, a a major change in terms of how we talk about awards. Yeah, what what do you think the odds are for a Bad Boys Two, Oscar, <laughs> or sorry, Bad Boys for Life Oscar campaign? I think I think the Invisible Man has. If I'm going to pull a movie from out in the uh, the sort of uh, pre coronavirus times, I might I might zero in on that one. But uh, yeah, who knows what what'll happen in terms of uh, the that sort of january and february of this coming year now being eligible for uh for oscar consideration it'll certainly be a a change yeah so i mean obviously to kind of like piggyback off of what you said about invisible man like if if i'm a universal like i'm seriously considering like campaigning elizabeth moss absolutely like an act like i i don't especially since what i want to do with you is kind of talk a little bit about the festivals and kind of what the festival environment is this year, as well as kind of like maybe highlight some movies that are kind of getting Oscar attention. Um, Because like, you know, going with the invisible man thing, like there's other movies that could come out between now and the Oscars, but you know, I, it's important to also note like Disney made a big announcement this past week that they're, essentially pushing back a bunch of their stuff and so you know like uh, some of their more notable oscar stuff like i'm sure a lot of people had steven spielberg's west side story remake kind of like pinned down on their calendars like oh that's that's gonna be disney's kind of big oscar push this year and that got pushed back till next year yep next december you know, we don't have to spend too much time on the rescheduling of the calendar because sort of talked about it last week with Hunter Heilman. And, you know, I think it's just been kind of like you and I have had several conversations, both personally and on microphone about this very subject and of just like this is the reality of stuff's going to keep keep getting pushed back further and further. So I don't know that we had to spend too much time on that, but I did think that that was an interesting development both for two reasons, because one, I think to kind of harken back to last week, Hunter and I talking about the sort of experiment around the release of Mulan, and yeah. this to me, and I think for a lot of people, like I know David Sims and The Atlantic wrote a big whole piece on this. This was kind of like the signifier that that experiment didn't work, and yeah. for Disney, it was just like it's not, it's not worth us putting out a movie in some markets and even putting it on VOD to try and like make a release date, um, and this this. I think signified to a lot of people that the changes happening in the industry due to coronavirus are going to keep doing, and we're going to still experience the ripple effects, but also, you know, that this was an indicator that we're not, some of these bigger tentpole movies are bigger 
you know, I don't know that West Side Story is necessarily a tentpole movie, but like bigger, flashier mainstream Oscar movies are probably not going to be in the conversation necessarily. And a lot of the studios are just sort of like going to hold them in their their pocket until a, a safer time to release them. Would you? Would you so I. Would you say that's kind of like a fair assessment of kind of where the awards race is is heading is kind of like some of the the bigger signature movies that we've kind of been eyeing for the last several months are probably not going to be part of the conversation and maybe we're going to be which I think will make it an interesting but also kind of weirdly fun because it maybe makes some smaller or you know more niche movies um part of the conversation i don't know is are are you kind of on the same page as me as you think that's where we're sort of going to be going for the next six months yeah absolutely and i mean looking at the um because you know the the nature of the the film festivals and the oscar circuit you know it sort of makes a certain obviously you always in any oscar race you'll have your late breaking contenders that typically in a normal year would come out in december in late november it's the ones that we get uh, the last minute critic screening for last year, I think the last one I went to was 1917, and then I got a screener of Little Women. So mm-hmm. there's always been these sort of late breaking movies. However, it did used to be fairly predictable. Okay, you look at Cannes, then you look at Venice, Telluride, Toronto, then whatever plays there, whenever the hit there ends up going and playing all the regional film festivals. You want to talk about mm-hmm. Chapel Hill's Film Fest 919, Hampton's Mill Valley, Virginia's Middleburg Festival. And you see very similar slates of films at all of those places. And so it becomes really easy to predict what um, what ends up in the Oscar race. This year, you look at... Oh, I forgot New York Film Festival's in the mix. This uh, And this year, arguably, could be sort of Current, the centerpiece. Yeah, currently, go. I think, like, just started uh, a couple nights ago. Yeah. And, um, I know you and I are, are going to be watching some of the stuff that they've got lined up and, yep. you know, may, may, we'll definitely talk about some of those movies like Nomadland, which we'll probably like touch on a little bit here, but like after actually seeing the movie. Um, so I, I would say for listeners, be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll probably definitely have like a New York film festival and just kind of a fall film festival episode in general. Um but yes, uh, kind of continue, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I certainly think it's... But I mean, if you look at those lineups, and you, and I was looking at the, the Hamptons lineup and the Mill Valley lineup and, and Film Fest 919's lineup, they're doing drive-in screenings, but they're, um, they're supposed to be announcing that soon. But you look at them and you go, okay, Nomadland, yes. Uh, Francis Lee's Ammonite, okay, mm-hmm. maybe. Reviews were mixed. Um, Minari is playing at... Um, hamptons but it skipped all the other festivals when you that, look at the rest that one i'll be interested in because yeah. i know like i'm planning on watching it uh, with the the online hamptons yeah uh, screening that they're doing and i'm really excited too because i heard a lot of great things about it from sundance but i don't even necessarily know what a24's release strategy no it like is 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 it even going to be something that they're going to release in the next like several months or is it just going to play a few festivals and then they're going to kind of hold it in their back pocket until they can give it a a wider release um i don't know which will be you know another it's it's another like weird aspect of i think the the festivals this year because i've seen you know a a lot of critics who've been writing about the festivals this year writing about toronto and venice 
not really sure when we're going to see a lot of these movies. Um, And some of them that I think have streaming homes, we definitely know, you know, we'll, we'll get them in the next couple weeks or next couple months, but it, it is like a weird state where I think even in the, the, the sort of Oscar prediction aspect of, you know, the movie world. I think people aren't really sure like what to necessarily predict because some of the stuff people don't really know, is this even going to come out at all? Or is the studios just going to hold on to it until they can, you know, give it a more prominent release? Yeah. I think two of the other films that are playing at Hamptons, uh, Regina King's um, One Night in Miami, I believe that's the title. And um, yes, which will uh, be released six, through Amazon. Amazon. And Sound of Metal is also an Amazon title. That's also playing at Hamptons. And, um, yeah, since those are Amazon, that's a pretty safe bet in terms of those are going to be coming out at some point this year. With A24, the fact that Minari is showing back up on the um, on the slate, uh, I think is a sign that that will get some kind of a release, uh, in mm-hmm. whether it be in January or February, especially considering the sort of depth of A24's upcoming slate in general. I mean, just looking at some of the titles that, um, I know they have on tap for the next few years. I mean, David Lowry's Green Knight got delayed indefinitely. I imagine that'll right. be a theatrical play at some point. Uh, Koganada's After Yang, Mike Mills's Come On, Come On with, uh, or that might only be a tentative title, but that's with um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, the Joel Cohen's Macbeth movie. I mean, they've got a lot of stuff, so I think now would be a good time if they want to hold some of that for mm-hmm. next year's awards race, which I might want to allude to a little bit just because listening to the amount of titles that have been delayed, I mean, um there was another it was an IndieWire article yesterday that said um Wes Anderson who's already in pre-production of his next film it's going to shoot in March um but French Dispatch is delayed likely going to play at Cannes 2021 right um and so there's so much sort of being stacked up for next year I think it would be rather foolish of some of the major studios and some of the indie studios as well I know they want theaters and I know they want some like safer bets, probably money wise, but I think there's, there's openings here. I mean, it it can't just be as much as the raves for Nomadland have been um, significant. And I'm very excited to check it out tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people have pointed out, it's like the Oscar race is not set up for just one movie to just like sort of steamroll everything and end up, um, you know, just taking the season by storm. So I do think there's an opening here for some other films to get into the mix. And and certainly um, that November, December theatrical slate right now is very rocky and, you know, studios are going to have to pick in some cases, does Warner brothers want to throw Dune into the mix? And maybe that takes the place that Tenet was supposed to be. I know when, when people thought uh, that Tenet was going to be the film that would reopen theaters and would be this smash hit, obviously that hasn't come to fruition, and the critics' reviews weren't that good as well. That was thought of as an Oscar contender. Now, I doubt, I mean, that'll probably just end up in the technical races. So um, yes. it's going to end up, you know, being something that um, that ends up being a conflict for studios where they have to try to pick what's the most financially viable option versus what ends up making these films the most competitive in terms of this particular Oscar race moving forward. Yeah, and I think... Uh, another interesting thing I heard of um, one of my favorite film critics, Adam Naiman, this is several months ago, I think, you know, about midway through the year. Um, and I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said, but basically said, 
it'll it'll be interesting to see what movies kind of get the the sort of big coverage and get kind of that that critical push and that publication push because unlike previous years a lot of the festivals are kind of dominated by uh sort of the awards marketing of particular studios if that makes sense you know that they're going into the festivals we have several big ticket movies whether or not they're good but are demanding a lot of coverage like last year something like joker demanding a lot of coverage yeah. because warner brothers says so or you know uh i mean parasite had already won the palm door but um now i'm even struggling to remember what stuff like played at festivals that marriage story for instance like yeah getting a lot of coverage because netflix is doing the marketing work to put it in front of people and say this is important for you to see because we want it to get some awards traction yeah and you don't really have as much of that this year which makes I, I, I kind of thought it was interesting for Naaman to bring up this maybe is an opportunity for stuff that would normally be kind of like well-reviewed but kind of bulldozed over by just bigger films or movies that have bigger companies behind them to maybe have a shot at Oscar gold and like could something smaller like Kelly Reichardt's First Cal, which may be yeah. my favorite movie of the year thus far, can that all of a sudden become like a big Oscar contender now that you don't necessarily have a movie backed by Disney, for lack of a better example, yeah. you know, being sort of pushed in the, you know, pushed in front of voters and pushed in front of critics and yeah. sort of told that, like, this is important. You need to see this and that kind of dominating the conversation. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Wait, is, is that something you're also kind of like looking forward to? If Absolutely. I'm I mean, I think there's this, you know, in the typical sense of the Oscar season, there's this very preordained notion of what an Oscar movie is and what it should be. And I, totally, I don't think yeah. that'll be, I don't think that'll disappear this year. I do think this changes the dynamic of, you know, like you said, it is, uh, you know, marriage story last year, it opens, think it opens venice or it got it's something at yeah, venice it was it's, venice yeah it starts at venice it has you know and, and, and it moves across the circuit it goes okay it goes to telluride they do a big thing for it there it goes to toronto they do it there it opens film fest 919 it plays at these other regional festivals and all of a sudden you have this film with netflix's sort of marketing might behind it because um and that's the thing we'll want to talk about too is the fact that we kind of know what netflix is is planning to do this year but yeah, I was about to say we could we could go through here in a minute, and I have an indie wire piece pulled up of just kind of some of the bigger movies that, as of right now, recording this on Saturday the twenty fifth, not Saturday, gosh, Friday the twenty fifth, that we know have not necessarily moved um, schedules, so we can kind of go through some of those, several yeah. of which are Netflix, and um, I mean I hate to, sorry for hijacking your point i, I do you think good? if there's one movie that we've seen thus far this year that i feel pretty confident is going to kind of get that push it it is a netflix movie and i think it's probably the the spike lee movie the five yeah. bloods i think it's kind of the clearest um kind of quote-unquote oscar movie because you know it's it's very much tapping into a political moment right now as yeah. well as has 
a big filmmaker behind it who finally won his Oscar after like years and years of being unfairly overlooked. But I think yeah. it's still someone that that institution, I feel like, is, you know, more sort of feels that they still need to probably like reward in some sense. And it's still deserves more than um yeah he's gotten thus far which uh i'd probably agree with that but that's a different podcast um but yeah i mean like i i i agree with you that you know without some of the these these bigger companies kind of pushing stuff to the forefront netflix is kind of the only one that's still in the game and it's interesting that i think a lot of the bigger companies that are going to be pushing stuff are going to be streaming services you know we mentioned regina king's movie is going to amazon and that's one that i've heard from all the people who've seen it at festivals like this this will be one to kind of watch and this is probably going to be amazon's big push yeah for the festival or not for the awards circuit once that kind of really really kicks in the gear um there any other like festival movies that obviously we mentioned nomadland is kind of the one that seems as of now you and i have not seen it it seems like the one that kind of if if dominated is even the right word seems like the most covered movie of the festivals yeah thus far and i don't really know a whole lot about it it stars francis mcdormand chloe Zhao, who made the writer and is going to be doing marvel's eternals is directing it yeah um I don't know. I, I guess I'll have more to say once I finally see it, but I'm really excited. And it seems like, unless you have any other ideas, it seems like the movie that's most clearly kind of getting the biggest push out of the festivals. Um, but even then seems like a fairly small, very intimate indie movie, like is not sort of the big yeah. bombastic Oscar flair that, you know, we would typically kind of have our eyes on at this point in the season. No, I mean, it's certainly connected with people, but I think also, I mean, and Nomadland is kind of, I mean, Netflix sort of cleared the way for Nomadland to sort of dominate the early circuit in part because they didn't, uh, they elected not to put any of their films in competition mm-hmm. there, which I think is an interesting move. I mean, it's basically Netflix saying that with, the structure of this year in which it's sort of a mix of drive-in and virtual festivals, a, that they don't think the buzz generated by those, uh, by those festivals is going to be that substantial. And then B that they really think they can, that by just simply presenting the movies that they have, which I think is going to end up totaling four or five. I imagine some Mm -hmm. of those that, uh, that end up being in the mix will sort of fade from contention, but, but that their presentation of that by just putting on their streaming service, letting the buzz go, uh, as it as it may, uh, will be a better launch pad for that. I mean, this week we already saw that the uh, new Aaron Sorkin film, Trial of the Chicago 7, uh, screeners were sent of that uh, to critics, and they've seen it, and uh, the buzz on that has already kind of started as well. That certainly, even though it's a Netflix film, and Netflix still, there's this sort of, you know, I, I go back to a year ago today, and, you know, we had people debating over whether it was, you know, still cool to give a Netflix movie best picture. And, you know, the industry's concerns have been sort of um, greatly uh, exacerbated since then due to this entire crisis. But um, I don't know if that'll be as much of a factor this year or if the sort of bread and butter of the Academy's voters, that sort of older demographic will go for anything that <laughs> resembles the more conventional Oscar fair, whether that is the Sorkin film, um, the sort of big 
film waiting in the wings that I'm 99% certain since we've seen first look images from it. Uh, I'm 99% certain it's coming this year. Uh, David Fincher's Mank. Um, give me Mank. Just yeah, I, Netflix. I think just that's, do it. Yeah, you cowards. Give us Mank. I think that's going to be the big one. And I think um, the other thing you mentioned, uh, the Five Bloods, and um, I love that film a lot. I think it's a it was a, sort of um, a wonderful film to get in the middle of of summer and a certainly relevant and topical. And I think um, it's also, I mean, and this is sort of just the I don't know. I, I've always felt sort of odd about the fact that uh, Oscar season and the awards in general take both sort of epic real world tragedies on a, a sort of grand scope and then sort of just like personal tragedies as well and just sort of throw them into this giant machine. But I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that Netflix has two films with the late Chadwick Boseman uh, mm-hmm. in them, mm-hmm. either both in and Spike Lee's film in a supporting role. Um, which is a role that many have sort of acknowledged as even more um, moving and poignant in, in the wake of his passing. And also he stars uh, alongside Viola Davis in uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, an adaptation of the August Wilson play. That, I believe, is also set to launch uh, this year. So um, that, will I think, will be a factor as well. And you could see him uh, sort of posthumously uh, in the Oscar race, um, much like uh, Heath Ledger was a decade ago. Yeah. So let's maybe just like quickly go through some of the the notable movies to kind of like keep our eyes on in the awards conversation. Obviously we mentioned uh Defy Blood, Spike Lee's excellent new movie. Uh that's definitely going to be part of the conversation. It seems like Nomadland is definitely going to be a part of the conversation. One Night in Miami, Regina King's new movie, it seems like is definitely going to be part of the conversation as well as uh Trial of the Chicago 7, which yep. um We'll definitely have a Sorkin episode coming at some point. Um, I'm just like, I don't know. Even bad Aaron Sorkin is just like candy for me. So, <laughs> I, so I could be seeing like reviews that it was like terrible and it would even be like, oh, now I'm going to watch it as like a guilty pleasure thing. <laughs> um, so obviously the, those are the four that I think are kind of the the big ones to sort of start us off um one that i've been seeing that people it it screened at the the new york film festival sort of online uh lineup already uh and notable because we just talked about a24 which is sofia coppola's new movie on the rocks which is going to be released through apple tv plus yep um you know I, i mean it's sofia coppola reuniting with bill murray for the first time since Lost in Translation, uh, a movie that I love. I'm excited to see it. I, yeah, you know, I don't. I haven't heard anything specific from anyone. I don't know anyone personally who has watched it, but I mean, that's one that we will be getting. You know, October twenty third. So, yeah, we'll be getting it in a month. Yeah, Um, I've heard it's. I've heard it's rather lightweight, but also um, still rather satisfying. And also, I think A twenty four and Apple have picked a sort of smart marketing angle on it um in terms of i mean it's a bit cheesy but they i remember when the trailer launched they called it like an ode to pre-pandemic new york and i've certainly seen that in in sort of skimming the early reactions of people like it's just very lightweight um sort of almost like a father-daughter buddy film um and they're just like you know hanging around hanging out going around new york and uh and um people seem to sort of like 
uh, even the sort of uh, lighter vibe of it. So um, yeah, th- this yeah, could I, be the year that like a very light comedy could get very very far. Of yeah. I, I think there's certainly an appetite for just you know even between just like my girlfriend and I deciding what to watch each night, and nine times out of ten it's just like just just find something light, just like <laughs> some like a comedy or something that we could just like you know ease our minds at the end of the night. I think where it'll be interesting to see. Because Apple has never, this will kind of be Apple's first kind of big Oscar play. Um, And, you know, how they do in that realm and whether or not they can successfully put that movie in front. You know, it'll be interesting to see the the sort of breakdown and like how willing they are to kind of get that movie in the, you know, in front of voters and press and people who can provide coverage for it and conversation versus using it as a lure for people just to sign up for that streaming service, which if I'm being honest, I mean, I have it, but it's only because I got a new laptop this year. I don't know yeah. anyone who personally has just been like, I'm signing up for that just to have it. So Aren't, there's how... like four shows on there, right? I mean, there's like yes. nothing. The I, I think somebody in my family got a, a new Apple device as well. And we watched the Tom Hanks movie Greyhound, which is fine. On the subject of Apple TV, though, I did want to bring this in. This was some um, breaking no- news within the last hour or so. They did just, uh, Apple did just strike a uh, $40 million deal for the Russo Brothers Cherry, which is supposed to be, which is billed as like oh. the latest step in Tom Holland's uh, new path to legitimate acting superstar. Not that he wasn't a legitimate actor before. I mean, he's in uh, J.A. Bayona's The Impossible when he was much younger, and he's great in that, and he's fun as Spider-Man, too. Uh, but uh, this is, apparently, it is going to be in the award season. It's going to be in the mix. Uh, clearly this not year? playing festivals. Yep, this year. Oh, wow. Um, so that yeah, one... We'll, we'll see how that goes. I don't know if you know anything about that book, but I, when I saw Tom Holland was cast, I was just like, that is certainly... Uh, that's either going to completely rewire how we think of Tom Holland or that's going to be an epic disaster. It's, it's, there's no middle. I don't know if you know anything about it, but it, it is, it is all caps dark and really, really like violent and effed up. I just read the, I just read the summary of it and it was like, oh, okay. I mean, it was like, cause I always knew it was like, I knew the basic, the bare bones of the premise and it was like, okay, PTSD ends up robbing banks. But yeah, then I read more of it and it's like soon, and this is, I'm quoting directly from the deadline article from Mike Fleming and it's soon he and his young wife moved from pills to heroin and he turns to, and I'm like, okay, all right, that's going to be pretty dark. And I do yeah. wonder if the sort of, uh national mood right now will turn people away like you said a minute ago like on the subject of on the rocks this could be the year where a light comedy sort of makes its way in i do wonder if this is a year where we will see a broader resistance to just sort of grim dark storytelling mm-hmm. i mean i never i didn't watch devil all the time i gotta be honest i don't really want to but uh, yeah, certain... you're, you're good hunter howman and i briefly touched on it last week but i i think that definitely fits into kind of what you're saying is i've yeah. seen sort of like a massive kind of like pass like, no thank yeah. you to that and just sort of the the reaction from people being like this is a really dour brooding just just like feel bad movie and i i've, I've seen an active push of people just sort of put their hands up and be yeah. like i'm gonna pass on that no absolutely um so obviously like the big one i think the one that's you know you and i certainly as disciples at the the foot of david fincher are just like you know beyond excited for mank his movie about the 
the making of Citizen Kane. Um, I, I, I don't really have much to say. I'm just like really excited. I don't know that Netflix is like officially given a release date to it. I would assume that it's going to be on the service sometime around the holidays because they put out their um, October calendar and it was not on there. Um, Cause I yeah. know a lot of people were expecting that it was going to arrive on the streaming service in October. I, w- I would imagine that's maybe to give some kind of some runway to the, the Sorkin movie since the Sorkin yeah. movie is coming out in like another week or so. And to kind of let that movie soak up a lot of attention before dropping kind of another huge um, potential bombshell on yeah. the service. But I'm, I'm really excited for that. Um, I have almost no idea of what to expect. Like my, I, I, I've just been like obsessing over like, what is this even going to be like? And like going back through a bunch of Fincher's other movies and trying to be like, what, Wait, is it is it going to be like is it going to be like social network like oh gosh I hope it's not like Benjamin Button and you, yeah. you know I, I I guess we're just going to have to see but I think that's certainly yeah. one that a lot of people have their thumb on is like that on paper is probably going to be a big deal which I'm I'm all for because uh our boy got robbed in with the that social network year Oscar and yeah. maybe this is his chance to kind of you know play that ball yeah. game again yeah i mean i've already seen a little bit of pushback to the to the digital black and white those shoot venture shoots everything in digital but um and i think there is it is worth wondering um hollywood has does have a long and uh and storied history of loving things that are made about itself and there is Very nothing true. more hollywood than making a classic a movie a black and white movie about the making of the what for years was considered and still is in some lists and some circles, the greatest film of all time. Um, as a classic Hollywood buff, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see, uh, I believe it's Tom Burke is playing Orson Welles. And I can't wait to see what that's like. And I, I do, I have enjoyed seeing, I guess like Netflix has almost become like the latest part in the mythologizing of Orson Welles. And I'm just like, I'm here for it. Um, yeah. but, uh, and so, yeah, I'm very interested in it. Um, They've certainly drifted a little bit away from sort of conventional stuff in recent years, but certainly with a, a pedigree like Fincher, um, it'll be probably tough for them to resist. And I do believe, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I don't, can't like see what Netflix's schedule is going to be into the future, but I do imagine this will come out in November, December. They also have Ben Wheatley's Rebecca in October, which looks yes. awful and I don't think will be an awards contender. I'm, much as I'm, I love. I'm intrigued just because I think even if I don't fully like all of Ben Wheatley's movies, I think he, he at least like goes for it in every single movie. Yeah. And even if the choice doesn't work for me. Um, but yeah, I, I do kind of, we'll definitely do an episode about that as well as probably like a fun revisit of, I, I just think like the Alfred Hitchcock Rebecca is, a masterpiece and one of my favorite Hitchcock movies. So it's, it's got a tall, uh, <laughs> it's got quite the, the oh, shadow yeah. over I mean, it from another movie. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm yeah. intrigued to see how that even turns out. I mean, I do um, love Lily James and army hammer. So, I mean, I was always intrigued by it. The trailer did not particularly grab me and yes, um, that Hitchcock film is great. So definitely waiting into tough territory there, but, um, I'd certainly be interested to see what, um, what that ends up looking like so yeah um do you know much about the state of paul greengrass's news of the world movie um 
yeah. Universal's releasing it. It it seems like the kind of thing that's kind of like, I don't know. It seems very kind of on the fence for me about whether or not that is going to continue to come out at the end of the year or whether or not I can very easily see that as something that's just pushed back. I read somewhere that I think they do believe that it's going to be something of an awards contender. I read in wherever I read this, it may have been IndieWire. I'm, I can't remember. Um, was compared to True Grit, so mm-hmm. I think I think they do believe it's a contender of sorts. I think everything in November and December needs to be considered tentative right now, and I think yes. it's worth I think it's worth analyzing all of those movies in the context of the Oscar race. Clearly, they're still on the ca- the calendar for a reason. So many other films have just been have sort of uh, taken their toys, and or so many studios have just taken their toys and gone home. I mean, Sony has pretty much just said we're not going to release anything until theaters are operating at full capacity, which is probably the smart move. I mean, it's hard for me to know how much... I know it's like, you know, because theaters are, are starting to shut back down. There's a um, uh, friend, Zach Goins, texted me and uh, and said the uh, theater that's across the border um, in, from Charlotte in, in South Carolina, they've all closed down. Uh, tempor- I mean, not permanently, but because there's just not enough content. And so I have to wonder if, like, you know, what, how much of the fact that Tenet bombed was the fact that people aren't ready to go back to theaters? Probably mm-hmm. significant. But also how much of it was Tenet itself, and people just didn't care. And we live in an echo chamber where Christopher Nolan means vastly more than his name actually does to the American public. And so Look, I've, you, I've wa- you, you and I were texting back and forth for, like, months and months. Yeah. And the thing I would always get at is, like, even if you take a like even if the theaters open up and there's people who are clearly like i don't care about the pandemic i'll go see a movie like the marketing for tenant was so secretive that i was just like the people who are going to go out to just sort of like defy the rules i don't think are gonna understand what tenant is to like no that that's not gonna convince them to go you know another movie that came out earlier this year i'll be interested to see whether or not it gets any attention, it was a big talker at Sundance. Eliza Hittman's Never Rarely, Sometimes yeah. Always. I think a movie both you and I um, quite enjoy. I'm maybe not as I haven't seen it. it yet. I haven't seen it yet. It's coming to HBO oh. Max next month, and I'm looking forward to watching it. I just never got around to it, but um, I've heard nothing but great things. But yeah, yeah. I'm not as um, maybe high on it as, as some of the other people, which is maybe, you know, just because of I saw it like right after the hype of Sundance. But yeah. it is certainly worth interesting, and I think the performances are all like really, really terrific in it. And yeah. um, I don't know. I think it will be really cool if a movie like that becomes part of the conversation. It yeah. certainly has, you know. <sighs> I've heard it's a pretty sort of spare, minimalistic film, which I think sort of goes against the Academy's typical interest. But at the same time, we're in it, sort of uncharted territory. Yes, and it is a movie that does. You know, I don't want to predict too much about, you know, the state of the world, but I th- I think the movie's yeah. subject matter about abortion, I think depending on Absolutely. what goes on in the political world with the Supreme Court in the next, you know, couple months, I don't know. This is the movie that, you know, the Oscars love issue movies, and that's maybe yeah. a little bit of a backhanded comment to call this movie, and it is really good, and I don't mean to sort of categorize it as that, but yeah. I can see it being something that gets a lot of attention at, underneath that sort of category of people saying this is an important movie because it highlights this um, 
you know the the sort of issue of kind of like access to abortion and abortion rights Absolutely. in America. Um, another Netflix movie. Uh, I'm not at all really uh excited for because I'm not a big on this filmmaker, but Ron Howard's Hillbilly Elegy. Great cast. Oh yeah. Can't can't knock Ron, can't knock Ron Howard out of the I Oscars. forgot about that. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get that by the end of the year. We'll see how that goes. Um Steven Spielberg's that, West Side yeah. Story, like I said, off the calendar. You you want to briefly talk about Dune? <laughs> let's let's get into it. I will say one quick note before we pro- progress into Dune on on Hillbilly Elegy. I have a very strong feeling that the response to that movie is going to be very, very dependent on what happens in the election. I just like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be a very, a very sympathetic portrayal of, of Trump country. I mean, that's a reductive of what I assume the movie is going to be doing. Um, but I imagine that's going to be something that comes up in the conversation and, mm-hmm. um, and that'll be interesting. But yes, Dune, the sort of mammoth elephant remaining in the room. December 18th, still on the schedule. The Another, I think, like news of the world, it's it's just a question mark at this point. Yeah. Um, you know. I would say that for both the, the, both the uh, November movies as well, Soul and No Time to Die. I don't really think the Bond movie will be an Oscar contention. I mean, uh, Skyfall, if, if Skyfall didn't get it, I have a hard time imagining I mean, this one will, but we, it we, is his last Soul's rodeo. off the calendar, I mean... No, it's still there. It's still oh, on it November twentieth. Yeah, and well, at one point it was very certain. Like everybody was like reporting, okay, Soul's going to go to Disney Plus. Soul's going to go to Disney Plus. Then Mulan went to Disney Plus. Mulan bombed on Disney Plus, and they went, okay, we're not going to put anything more on Disney Plus for a while. So Soul is sort of still up in the air. Um, and so you know, if they do drop that one in, in uh, December or November, sorry, um, I know that that is. Uh, is going to be sort of in contention. It was supposed to play at Cannes and Telluride and a bunch of other places. Um, will that get delayed? Will they drop it on a streaming service? I don't know. I feel like it's worth uh, it's worth keeping that one in mind, though. There hasn't been a Pixar movie in the nominees since uh, 2010, Toy Story 3. Um, could this one break in? Possibly. Um, I feel like if Inside Out didn't, you're kind of on rocky ground, but um, uh, Soul seems to be certainly a, a big contender that Disney has a lot of confidence in. Should it come out um, in time for a uh, for consideration? I think as of now, it looks like a big kind of open field for Netflix just to kind of like run wild, as well yeah. as maybe some cooler indie movies. So obviously, I think just to kind of recap, I think the Five Bloods. Nomadland, yep. Uh, One Night in Miami, Trial of the Chicago Seven. From what I've heard, that those kind of seem like your the 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 Oscar carpet is being laid out for those, and yep. we'll just kind of have to see. You know, obviously how Mank is received, whether or not movies like News of the World or Dune even come out. Um, yep. I don't know. Crazy times. Uh, yeah. Josh, thanks for uh, hopping on and absolutely you know, discussing kind of where we're possibly going. Uh, we'll probably have you back at some point to talk about something, maybe one of these movies, maybe Mang. Sounds good. I would be. Uh, I would love to come on and uh, and or come back on again. And and yeah, no, I'm excited to uh, 
So are you, uh, what all are you seeing at, at New York? Are you just doing Nomadland or did you uh, pick up a couple tickets as well? I'm going to see uh, French Exit as well. Okay. Um, you know, and I'm definitely going to try and see Minari, uh, yep. the Hamptons Festival. I think some of the other ones that are kind of playing those festivals, I've just decided I'm going to kind of wait and see what the, you know, see them when they get released onto a streaming service here soon. Yep. I've obviously heard a lot of people just kind of gush over uh, American Utopia. The Yes. But that comes um, out on HBO Max next month, so I, I held off on that too. Right, which I just everyone I know who I'm excited to talk about that. We'll definitely talk about that on this episode on this podcast. Um, just everyone I know who's seen it has you know described kind of like wiping tears from their eyes at the end of it, and it just being like a really uh moving and inspiring experience to watch. Um, and obviously like One Night in Miami seems like that's going to be on Amazon by the end of the year. So yeah. I'm more so using the kind of festival lineup to sort of check out stuff that I'm not really sure when and how they're going to get released. Stuff that very clearly has been bought up and is going to be put on a service here in the next couple months. I'm I'm kind of willing to to wait to yeah. see that. But, you know, something like Minari that we mentioned, which was like a big phenomenon at Sundance. I'd, I don't know, unless A24 makes another, you know, ties that into their apple deal and re- yeah. puts that on the, the apple plus you know uh I, who knows when we see that because who knows when theaters are gonna fully reopen thank you again for listening to film inquiries the latest now need you to do one quick thing before you put away your iphone or your computer need you to Rate and subscribe to Film Inquiries, the latest wherever you find podcasts. 